Hello, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. My name is Christopher Thomas Plant. My name is Russ Frustick. And we are the Resties, where the rest of the best discuss the best of the rest. This week, we're talking about two great games. No bummers. That's what we like to say at the Resties. It's a no bummer zone. We got No Man's Sky twist. It's great now. No bummer, Man's Sky. Hey, that doesn't work. <laughs> but this is no mo- no bummer zone. I think that's a good effort. Yeah. We've also got Shadow Gambit, which is one of my favorite surprises of this year. A stealth tactics game, which is not my genre at all. And I am in love with it. It's got uh, pirates in it. It's got pirates in it. It has like a real um, Sea of Thieves aesthetic it to does. it that it I'm does. into. Before we do that, though. Yeah, something. Okay. So <laughs> the, the last time you heard from us uh-huh. was uh, the episode on Starfield that we recorded. And this was before the embargo lifted and before we knew the reaction, broad the broad reaction to the game. We were which, pretty anxious. We were pretty anxious. I, I, the broad reaction seems to be inconsistency. It seems like there's a lot. uh, Here's what it comes down to. It seems like there's a lot of people that basically agreed with what we said, but it's just a question of how much that stuff bothered them and whether they were still able to find joy within the experience, regardless of that. Yeah, which I think, hey, you were skeptical during that episode when I said, I think there's going to be people who like this, who none of this bothers them. They just, you know, get a little bit of a little bit of the weed. They chill out. They zoom in. They zone out, and they have a great time. I think the problem for you, and this is what we're going to be talking about in this episode, is you made a a criminal mistake, which is you went and played No Man's Sky. <laughs> yeah, that was a big mistake. <laughs> that was a big. It was a. I would say a grave error. On your part to go and do that. I mean, I, um, I to be fair, I went and played it after I was not really vibing with uh, Starfield. True, you were looking for something that like reignited that spark, that love yeah. for video games. Yeah, space exploration. Well, I mean, we we shouldn't delay too much. We should get into that. I I will say before we kick over to the podcast, I can feel it. There's some people who are listening; they're really vibing with Starfield immensely happy for you that rules um you might be thinking hey starfield and no man's sky totally different games and the answer is you're right and that's gonna be a big part of what we talk about right after the break you go get a phone you just want a phone to talk to your friends and family you're not asking so much then you get these contracts and you get ripped off because they got all this fine print little details and all of a sudden they're sucking money out of your pocket like some sort of digital leech. You know, the contract may sound good uh, up front, but there's always some sort of catch. You know who's not going to do that to you? Not going to pull that nonsense? Mint Mobile. Their wireless plans. There is no catch. $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those savings directly on to you. You want to pay hundreds of dollars for, like literal hundreds of dollars for your wireless plan? Or do you want to have a nice, easy solution, save some, put the bucks back in your pocket, pay 15 bucks a month? Say bye to your overpriced wireless plans, jaw-dropping monthly bills, the unexpected overages. 
sound familiar? To get this new customer offer and get your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash besties. That's mintmobile.com slash besties. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash besties. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Okay, we're back. And let's start where we left off, which is why do we want to talk about No Man's Sky? In this, the year of our Lord, 2023, why are we talking about a game that's seven years old? During Starfield Week. During Starfield Week. We could be doing more Starfield stuff. We could. But, but we're not. I, I what, what motivated you to go and pick up this game? Because they are, I think by definition, very, they're going for very different goals. Uh I think thematically they're extremely close to one another, but in terms of what you're actually doing, they are very, very different. Yes, the the meat of the game design I think is very different. You know, yes. Bethesda wants that kind of old school RPG. You're going around you're narrative up people centric. Yeah. Yes, you're picking up a lot of stuff. Um, you got dialogue trees that are all over the place. Well, uh, before no, we have some of that though. Which, that's yeah, that's I, true. Before we get into that, I, I'm going to answer your first question, which is, why did I pick it up? Uh, there's two reasons. One, as I've mentioned previously, I was not totally clicking with Starfield. Um, and I was kind of hoping to, like, recapture the magic of another space exploration game. And thing two, No Man's Sky just got one of the biggest updates it's ever gotten. Uh, I believe it's called the Echoes update, which added a ton of stuff, which we will talk about. But in both of these scenarios were kind of like a just a confluence of events that were like, damn, I really like this game. And this is a good excuse to get back to it and kind of remind myself what the potential is for a space exploration game, because I didn't totally get that vibe from playing Starfield. I think that's the key word, right? Ex- exploration. I yeah. think I think that is where the those of us who didn't click with Starfield in the way that we hoped we had assumed it would be much more of an exploration game with all the talk of like all these planets and, you know, procedurally generated spaces that the fun would be in getting around and discovering new things. And that's not the case, at least during the core quests of the game. That that does not seem to be where its core interests lie. The core interests seem to lie in like, let's do what we always do but now it's in space. Yeah, there's a lot of narrative-heavy quests, which which yeah. uh, No Man's Sky does not really have. I mean, it does have narrative, light narrative, and like you know, vague allusions to like space gods and various other things. But you're not like going around talking to every per- every person and getting like you know quest markers and stuff from them. You do do that, but it's not really the primary focus of No Man's Sky, right? So. Can you kind of kick off a refresher on the history of it? I know that we've talked about it many times, but it is important yeah, I'll, to remember I'll this do a light speed. seven years old. Yeah, seven, it is seven years old. Uh, I'll do a light speed refresher for people. No Man's Sky promised to be this infinite, uh, very similar, if you're paying attention to right now, the Starfield promises, like they were both pitched very similarly, which is like, here's this game you can play forever because it has a million planets or whatever it is. And you can explore the galaxy and like live your dreams of being Han Solo or whatever the fuck. And the 
in the lead up to the game, a lot of promises were made about multiplayer and base building and all sorts of other stuff that when the game launched seven years ago, a lot of that stuff was not in there. And what was in there was like a pretty thin, not terrible, but not great um, experience that involved like a lot of like collecting energy and filling up bars mining. and mining and taking stuff, care stuff of your like oxygen that. level. Yeah. So since then, there's been a ton of updates um, that have added new content, new features. I think the last time we talked about it on Besties or Resties, I talked about the fact that they added um, difficulty settings that allowed you to turn off a lot of the more drudgery-inducing uh, aspects of the game. Like you could make it so that like you didn't have to worry about energy anymore. So you could use your jetpack or launchers whenever you wanted to. You didn't have to like find sodium to fill your jetpack up. So um, this new update added like a whole new race of creatures. These like this robotic race of creatures and uh, some like epilogue post credits things um, that have been like really great for me and really engaging. And mostly it just like, the thing about No Man's Sky, and this has been true since the game came out, no game has ever, I'm sorry, not almost no game, I, uh, Outer Wilds kind of did this, that experience of going from a planet into space without there being a load screen mm. is spectacular. And it really still is an awe-inspiring moment. And I love Outer Wilds to death, but it looks so fucking good in No Man's Sky. And just like seeing the like different ecosystems as you like burst through the atmosphere incredible feeling it still has a wow factor today that like blows me away and honestly one of the biggest things that i was missing from starfield was not having that same ex experience because it it syncs the space stuff with the with the land stuff otherwise they feel very discreet and separate yeah i think that i think that's a good summary of it i i have a lot of questions for you great on behalf of people who maybe have not played No Man's Sky ever or like me have, you know, played a couple times over the past seven years. Sure. Number one, where do I start? Like if I, I have probably a few saves from over the okay. years. Should I do that? Should I just like start from the beginning? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, it kind of depends on how far along your save is. If you have a save of like 40 hours or something and you've been playing a bunch and you have a bunch of inventory slots upgrade or whatever it is it's probably fine for you to stick with that because a lot of the new content doesn't really click on until after you finish the story but if you haven't really played a ton or you haven't really played since launch i'd actually recommend starting from scratch mostly because you can experience the new like onboarding like quest line that they introduced post-launch that is way more engaging and way more interesting and has like actual characters in it and will guide you through all of the features that they've added since launch in a really smart way. You can also, while you're doing that, turn on all the difficulty settings yeah. that you want to make that experience much more fluid. To give you an idea, I caught up to like quote modern day, like where the new content is. I think my save said like 30 hours. Um, and that was with like messing around and like trying base building and trying a lot of other stuff that I didn't have to do, but I wanted to do because it was fun. Um, so there's a ton of content that you can experience before even getting to the new content. But it, again, it kind of depends on where your save is. You have like an entire collection of settings for this game, right? 
I like, do, yeah. I don't may, know of a maybe great could, way to I guess in the newsletter we could probably yeah, share it. I think I think in besties.fan, everybody should go and subscribe and follow us there. We can put a screenshot of all the settings that uh Fresh has been using. I think Griffin has been using on his playthrough. Yeah. Um that remove a lot of the simulation factor from it, which I think will make it more fun for a simple example. I mean I mentioned the energy thing, but like I have infinite sprinting, which is pretty nice. Um, there are aspects that like let you increase your sprint, but it's like drudgery, and I didn't want to do it, so I just turned on infinite sprinting. That's great. It's great. <laughs> Sounds awesome. Um, how? I mean, you said thirty hours. Is that like thirty hours? About how long the entire campaign is? I, I mean, it really depends. If you are like doing nothing but going from like quest point to quest point to quest point. You could probably get through the like two main storylines, which kind of like uh, branch off of one another in about 20 hours. If you really, if you're sprinting, um, I wouldn't encourage that because there's a lot of reason to not do that, whether it's like chilling at a star base and looking for like a new ship to buy or doing like side quests or like raiding freighter ships. There's so much stuff that like, it's worth doing when you feel like it. Otherwise, I think you might get a little burnt out. But, yeah. Well, well, okay. So walk me through the expansions. I mean, don't walk me through each of them. There's a ton of them. Yeah. But that's the part where I get intimidated is I've seen the trailers for these, you know, like every nine months or whatever. Yeah. And it always feels like a lot in there. I remember, what was it? No Man's Sky Next, which I think was the one that introduced that original quest line right yeah that was like the first huge expansion yeah really big um but are are a lot of the other expansions adding stuff that is more key to the endless exploration of the game unless to hey you need to get through the first 30 hours yeah 100 percent. this is actually this quest line that they just added is i think the first quest line that actually requires that you finish the main story Oh. What's very, very cool about most of the updates that they've done is a lot of it is like quality of life stuff. I mentioned the difficulty thing. Another is like you can ride on pets, like uh, alien creatures that you find and you tame, and then you can mm. ride on them. That was an update that just came. It wasn't exclusively just ride on pets, the update, but that was a big <laughs> feature. And so they've added a lot of stuff that has just been like fully integrated into the game in smart ways that don't require you to progress the story or whatever. It's not like Destiny where you're like, oh, I haven't played any of this content, so I gotta like get through it. You'll run upon this stuff very naturally as you're just playing through the game. And maybe you won't even realize that it was like added in an update. They added this thing, I forget what the mission is called, but essentially you can buy um, these like devices that track down freighters that have crashed in space. They're like derelict freighters. Oh yeah. And you board them and it turns into like a mini dead space mission. And that was just something they added in an update. And it's like spooky and you oh, you only see where your flashlight's pointing. And there's like this whole like backstory of how the crew died in horrible ways. It's just like a really dope thing that if you didn't know any better, you'd think was in the game from the beginning. Yeah. But and they just did like slowly... a big underwater one too, I yeah, think. Yeah, there's, there's a quest line where you they teach you how to like make an underwater base. But again, that's like a totally side thing. Awesome. I actually didn't do that quest line until like after I had done the new content. So there's like tons of stuff that they just have layered in in a really smart way that makes the game so modular and like exciting even moving forward from now. 
Yeah, I I am just <laughs> endlessly curious about it. I, I noticed a thing today with the Starfield comparison where I feel like this game, Starfield, has been in development for 10 years. Yeah. Um, and I I feel like I was hearing rumors about it even that long ago. But well, I was, the... uh, yeah, I think the 10-year the thing comes from the fact that Todd Howard, who's the main designer of the game, copyrighted the term Starfield 10 years ago because he just, it like struck him as like a really good branding exercise. Mm. So he copyrighted it. So people knew that there was a copyright after this game from Bethesda, but they didn't know what it was going to be. And I think actual earnest game development started about eight years ago. Okay, so basically like right when No Man's Sky the press cycle is going. I'm not trying to say that like they saw No Man's Sky and they're like, we should do that. Yeah, I'm I don't think saying it's more just unfortunate. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it was that. I think Bethesda, where they were at at the time, you know, they had made Fallout, they had made Elder Scrolls, a bunch of Elder Scrolls games. But at that point, they had never really done anything that was like hard sci-fi. And this yeah. certainly counts. So it, like, if I were to guess, like what was your next like big open world RPG, space would make total sense. Also, in terms of the, you can go anywhere, like the Skyrim, you know, see that mountaintop? You can go there. Yeah. The idea of, like, pointing to the sky and be like, see that planet? See that star? You can go to any of it. Yeah. Um, Unless uh, it's Jupiter, in which case it's a gas giant. You can't land there. <laughs> that's fine. That's so true. That's a very good point. <laughs> um, who, who do you think, like, is the target for this in the year 2023? Because, again, I get thematically... If you are coming to Starfield and No Man's Sky and what you want is that sense of awe of, yeah. you know, you're in space and you're exploring, I, I assume No Man's Sky is the game that you're looking for. A hundred percent. I think visually speaking, if you're looking for that, like, wallpaper for your desktop background aesthetic, No Man's Sky is extremely good for that. In terms of who it's for... I think the range of audiences is kind of astronomical for this game. I mean, Bethesda games too have like a really wide gulf of audiences that that uh, experience those games. But I think like depending on the settings and what you're interested in doing, people that love Stardew Valley could potentially love No Man's Sky. If you want to focus on like base building and like growing a, a garden of like alien plants, you can do that. And you can make it so that like you don't have to worry about oh no, aliens are constantly attacking my base and making it really hard to do anything. You have those options. So I, it's really one of the most, uh, I think, broad-reaching uh, games around right now. Yeah, I, I will say if if what you are wanting is more of that nitty-gritty RPG, I do think Starfield is, is the option that you're looking for still. Well, I, it depends. If you're looking for, again, if you're looking for a narrative RPG, I don't start I don't think Starfield does that. I think it's has a narrative, but again, it's pretty light. So if you're looking for a narrative space RPG, you kind of have to go Starfield because the audience is pretty limited or the options are pretty limited. But I mean, there's so much else that these games can be, uh, and I think Starfield checks a lot of the other boxes that you might be looking for. Yeah, I think that's right. I would also say like if you're looking for a hardcore like intense simi experience you can turn no man's sky into that as well you can turn on all the difficulty settings to like ultra survival you can like obsess over there's like a ton of mods that like give you like 20 percent more damage on your guns or increase your shields a certain amount 
And you can like really go on the hunt for those or you can hunt for the perfect ship. There's just like so many avenues you can go down to get the best experience depending on what you're looking for that I, I like. But no guns. I, there are guns. There are? Yeah, there's rocket launchers and flamethrowers and all sorts of shit. What? There's guns. There's fighting. There's combat. That's in there. Oh, man. Now I got to download it. What type of <laughs> chaos am I going to cause in Mars? Chris Plant loves guns. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Please don't let that be the clip that gets cut out. <laughs> um, this sounds good. I It runs okay on Steam Deck? It runs great on Steam Deck. I mean, it, it will look a lot better on, like, a good yeah. PC. Yeah, but... they did a next-gen update, like, a year or so ago. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I think take it, if you did, like, screenshots side-by-side... Certainly, there are aspects of Starfield that are going to look a, a lot better. But I think in terms of like the diversity of what you're seeing, way more diversity in uh, No Man's Sky. And color. even if you're playing it like on Steam Deck, I usually play on like low to medium settings at like 40 frames a second. And yeah. the, still, the game still looks really good. Like, it's just so vibrant. Like all the blues and reds and green. Like, yeah, it's just... it's, it's, I think it's just the success of like amazing art design that like yeah. scaled really well. That's awesome. Um, cool. I am going to give it a try. I have a feeling that we will weirdly be talking about No Man's Sky a bit more across the both this and Besties because it's kind of taken over our our little slack. Um, so we'll talk about that more later. Right now, I want to take a break and then I want to come back and talk about Shadow Gambit, the cursed crew. This episode of The Best of These is sponsored by Aura Frames. All right, so you know there are a number of people in your life that are not necessarily the most technologically savvy. I'm sure immediately names jump to your mind. Those are the sorts of people that you would say, oh, maybe they would want a digital picture room in their house, but they wouldn't necessarily be able to like set it up and get it working and add new pictures and stuff like that. That is where Aura Frames comes in. It's a digital picture frame that allows you to basically upload any photos that you have directly to the frame. You don't need them to do any work. In fact, you could even set it all up before they even open the box. You have the account set up. You just have to connect it to their Wi-Fi. And once that's done, everything happens over the internet. So you can add new photos, you can do whatever you want, and it all works completely smoothly. I set it up for my grandmother, who's 95 years old. I set it up for my mom, who's 70 years old. And they both love their aura frames, and they love seeing the pictures and new photos of the family all being added without them having to do anything. So I'd highly recommend it. I'm really, really happy with it. And right now... You can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code BESTIES. That's A-U-R-A frames.com, promo code BESTIES. Terms and conditions apply. Y'all, you already know how much I love our sponsor of the week, Rocket Money. They make it so easy to get your personal finances on track, and especially stop worrying about all these subscriptions that you have that you don't necessarily need. Keep the ones you want, get rid of the rest. Here's how it works. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds 
and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. That might sound too good to be true. I have tried it myself on multiple different monthly payments I have and it's worked, which is incredible and so much easier than getting on the phone with all these companies and trying to wrangle this yourself. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. So cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash besties. That's rocketmoney.com slash besties. Rocketmoney.com slash besties. Okay, I have good news and I have bad news. <laughs> Which we, what, what do you want first here? Do the good news first. Okay, the good news first is Shadow Gambit, the Cursed Crew, is an absolutely amazing game that we're going to tell you so much more about. Um, do you want the bad news? Yeah. This is the final game by the studio that made it. Yeah. Um, they, they released it. Uh, we downloaded it. We were immediately in love. And then uh, I think you were the person who sent me the message that was like, oh, by the way, yeah, they're done. Um, the studio, Me, 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 is based out of Munich. They are closing following the release of this game. They they're going to still... be they're going to be like supporting the game, I think, for a yes. year. But effectively, this is the last title they're going to be putting out. Yes, and I believe they're doing it for the well-being of their founders and leads. It seems like I don't. Think yeah, my like my impression, team. my impression is that these, uh, you know, and they say this pretty directly in the in the blog. These sorts of games, which are like stealth tactical games, which we'll kind of explain uh, in a little bit what that even means, but the audience, it seems, for these is relatively narrow. It hasn't caught wildfire in the way that a battle royale has for example and so what that has resulted in is even though they've made this is their third installment in the genre the first one was shadow tactics the second one was desperados 3 and this is the third only bangers in the and they're all too. great they're all fucking great critically well received yeah fantastic and even though they've made all three critically well received games every single time they have a new project they are desperately struggling to get funding and support it uh, such that, like, I think they ended up having to put this game out using uh, the funds from the German government actually funded a percentage of this game. So it's just been, like, kind of this uphill battle for these folks, and I'm sure uh, just trying to find money to get this stuff, uh, you know, across the finish line is really, really brutal. And it's not for everyone. And uh, I think these the two uh, founders of the company decided it was not for them long-term and they were ready to take a break, which honestly, if, you know, that's the way to play it. If if your mental well-being is becoming damaged or your family life is becoming damaged because of your work, maybe it's time to find another job. For real. I, I know that we mentioned um, Double Fine Psych Odyssey, uh, you know, earlier this year. But I think that is a great thing to return to, uh, or especially watch if you haven't seen it yet. 
here Double Fine is a very established studio, and I, probably the middle chunk of that is them panicking about funding. Yeah, um, and you know it's like if Double Fine is struggling, what does that mean for these sorts of smaller studios? Yes. Um, Tim Tim Schaefer talks about how uh, yeah th- a through line throughout that series is where is Tim because Tim's never around when they're doing like design decisions and stuff. And what Tim has said is basically, I was out trying to sell the game and desperately keep the studio open, which is like, yeah, pretty brutal. And unfortunately, pretty common. Like, uh, actually, we just learned that uh, Volition, a longtime game development studio behind the Saints Row series and Red Faction series, is closing. So game development is in a pretty tough spot, as I think we all kind of are to some extent. Um, So... Not surprising, but at yeah. least we have this spectacular final hurrah from me, me, me to keep us busy. Yeah, I, w- I will say just one final note on that is I do wonder if it is a kind of a victim of your own success sort of thing where a lot of studios, they don't make a great game that gets critically praised and then don't make enough money to keep the lights on. Yeah. Um, But this studio, like it neither... It made enough to seem to stay open, but not enough to be comfortable. Yeah. And that's like that seems like a really tiring place to be for over a decade. Um, okay, no bummers, though. No bummers, no bummers, no bummers. We're here to celebrate. We are. Me, me, me. Not to bury it. Um, this game is awesome. It is set in kind of a fantastical spin on the Golden Age of Piracy. I think uh, Sea of Thieves is a very clear uh, visual comparison for its aesthetic. Or or like even Pirates of the Caribbean and the movies, I think, tonally are very close to this. Yes, though cartoony. Like it yeah. has that kind of, I don't know, very colorful, very like sharp angles for all of its characters. Yeah. Um, uh, and it works like a lot of stealth tactics games you start with one character and an isometric map an island in the caribbean and you are sneaking around and killing things and you have a little special power which is you can kind of teleport to an enemy like you would in uh, dishonored to perform a kill and then quite rapidly you Unlike more and more characters uh, who you have on your haunted ship, and those characters, you can choose which ones you want to uh, select and in which order. So there's a sniper uh, sort of character who has a one-shot that you can use, but then you have to go collect the ammo from wherever you downed a person. And there is a character who throws seeds that plant bushes that you can hide in or conceal bodies in. Um, each character, I actually think, has two special powers. Um, and yeah, I, I'm, I am curious for you, what what characters did you pick? And then kind of talk through how the game played. Because I think how this game plays is really dependent on the type of characters that you end up choosing. Yeah. And, and, and let me just note, again, for people that aren't familiar with the genre, the whole point of this is to essentially not be spotted. So you'll have like viewing cones and stuff like that. But if you get spotted, it's pretty much game over. Like there's not a lot of coming back from being spotted. And the game is built around the idea of I'm going to plan this perfect attack such that I don't get spotted. But it requires a fair bit of trial and error. So much so that the game, maybe for the first time ever, I don't think I've ever seen this, diegetically 
mentions the idea of quick saving. They call it something else. They call it memories or whatever it is. But it's integrated into the plot of the game where they're yes. like, you got to create a memory right here because things might go awry and you might have to jump back to it. Yeah, That's you'll see it like awesome. written on the walls of the stage. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then as you're doing it, rather than it be like a little save icon in the bottom left, it's this like big green Liberty Bell sort of thing that rings right in the center of the screen. Well, the bell is there to remind you how you haven't saved in two minutes. Like the game yes. is fully designed around saving. Actually, all their games are. And all of the games in this genre are because they are about save scumming to the point of being like perfect, like handling a situation perfectly. Okay, that said, the, I, I, I took a very different approach to it, and we'll get back to the characters, because now we're deep into the, the same scumming. What I love about this game, and you mentioned, right, the goal is to not be seen. There's usually an objective, like, find five pieces of a relic on this island, yeah. or, you know, assassinate these two characters without being caught. I found this game quite forgiving, if you did get spotted, in that each of your characters on top of the two special powers also has other ways they can get around the environment. So some can swim, others can climb vines. Um, and I I didn't have to save Scum every time I got shot. I could like swim off and, and use that to distract the guards and pull them in one far off direction as they kind of chased after my swimmer uh, to then let the other two like sneak by. So I... I felt like I was actually able to use things going awry as a strategy rather than, oh, well, I slipped up again. I need to start the whole thing over. Yeah, that's interesting. I've never played these games like that, but I guess that's closer to like a Metal Gear strategy, yeah. which is actually pretty cool that you can play that way. I, that is so yeah. smart that you say it like that because you're right. It it weirdly feels to me like a squad-based Metal Gear game. Yeah. I hadn't even thought about it until you said it, but that is so spot on. I know, I'm so smart. No, it's good. That makes me actually <laughs> like it even more. <laughs> um, no, that's really cool. I I, I do want to talk about the characters. Yes. Uh, they are awesome. Um, when you start out, uh, Plant mentioned you have like the captain character and she, you know, is specifically designed to like teleport. She could also stop time for one one guard so you could freeze time and like kill someone right in front of them and so long as you could hide the body fast enough they won't even see it um so you start with her and then you're deciding between two characters one of them was like uh i think a, a doctor like the ship's doctor and she was the one that could like create bushes and can also like cause guards to like walk away from where you're standing so uh if you need a guard to like move in the opposite direction of where you are you can do that so I had th those two. Um, I know there was another option you could pick, but the third person that I recruited was the spy, which is a very common, uh, I guess, class in these sorts of games. Usually there is one character who can disguise themselves as the enemy and pass undetected through, uh, uh, through vision cones and various other things like that in a way that can like, the other two can essentially like take advantage of the situations. The spy here is like so cool. They added really smart systems where once you transform into an enemy guard, you're limited by your range. So you can't actually just run all over the map. There's like a giant um, circle that appears where you um, possess that guard and you can only travel in that circle. So what you can do is kind of hopscotch from guard to guard 
so long as you're not being spotted when you possess the next guard. So it's really, really smart. Oh. Um, and he runs around with a cane and has a pipe, and he looks awesome. That is cool. The um, the sniper that I have uh, can shoot from just absurdly long distances. I mean, I have not found like a limit to it effectively, as long as there's line of sight. Um, and, you know, it can be vertical. It could go in any direction. Um, but also has a it's like a smoke bomb effectively that they can fire that will close off uh enemies view cones for a short period of time so like you if you have there's a, a number of scenarios in this game where you have a pretty clear thing of two people chatting and they're easy to go just schedule a kill for i'll talk about scheduling in a second <laughs> but then there's like a third person watching them and having this is is my like go-to way of okay i take that person down so not even that they're killed but that they're just hacking and then i uh take out my two enemies and it feels great do you did you use the schedule feature very much I, is it really called scheduling in the I don't, game i don't know a good way to i don't know how else i would describe it's it. like, like a planning preset. mode basically yes yeah it's a feature that has been in their games before uh it was definitely in desperados 3 there was an element of it in uh shadow tactics but i think it's been refined since then in shadow tactics it wasn't quite as intuitive but the gist is it allows you to control two characters at once or even three characters at once such that they all execute a command at the same time so for example if you have three guards standing with your their backs facing you in order to get all three of them to be killed by your three units in real time you would have to kill one switch a character kill the next one switch characters kill the next one switch character whatever there's no way to really do that in real time like you would get spotted and it would be over but with the, the, I guess we'll call it scheduling, sure. With the scheduling, you can set it so that all three of the units will go at the exact same time. You basically like hit Y or whatever the button is, and they all kind of enact whatever plan you've laid out for them. And so then all three of the units are dead at the same time. All the yes, cards are dead. Yes, and you can use it time. with your special powers. So another yes. example would be that there is a, one guard on the ground and there's a lookout guard up high. And you could use the character who has that dash move to dash in to kill the ground guard. You could use the character that throws the bush uh, to throw it on top of that. To one, conceal the 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 first killer, and two, to, it kind of the bushes disintegrate any bodies that get thrown into them. Yep. And then you can use the third person to snipe the person who is on the lookout. Yeah. And it if, all happens if like done... in an instant. Yeah, if done right, it feels like those moments in like a samurai movie where like the one guy is in the center and then like does a quick sword swipe and yes. then everyone around him dies. That's what it feels like. It feels awesome. And you can use it as much as you want. So yeah. you could like use it and it could start to go wrong and you could stop time again and go right back and put up a new plan. Um, it's very generous with it and doesn't want to like make it a special power, you know, that you have to wait to recharge. Um, because the other abilities, that is a case, you know, throwing the concealing seeds or whatever, a lot of those things you kind of have to wait on, but not this. Yeah, it's incredibly smart. And I think of all of the games that they've done, this one is probably the most approachable for this genre. Because as you said, there's a lot of uh, aspects that are actually pretty forgiving. 
and it kind of eases you in not only with the gameplay but also just tonally it's so like light and airy that you really don't feel like i don't know intimidated by the genre itself how you you played on controller yeah i played on steam deck mostly yeah i mean how was that because i found it surprisingly good for a controller experience with a genre that I just do not associate with controllers. It is extremely good. I So I have actually a pretty good frame of reference because I played Desperados 3, their previous game, with a mouse and keyboard, which is how I traditionally played this these games. I was like, oh, of course I play with a mouse and keyboard. And here I'm playing with a controller. I think the controller handles incredibly well. It actually feels, for those of you who have played Baldur's Gate 3, very similar in that way because you are directly controlling the characters. You're not like setting a waypoint for them to run to, which is how it feels when you're uh, using a mouse and keyboard. So it feels just like much more direct in that way. There are aspects of using a controller that can get a little hinky, specifically like locking your camera to someone can be a little bit tricky sometimes. But the fact that you can make all these choices in like a turn-based mode whenever you want allows you to do even really complex things very easily because you can really take your time and like set it all up. So yeah, controller is great. I I'd actually recommend it over mouse and keyboard. Yeah, and it looks great on even a small screen. You can, with the controller, very easily zoom in and out. And at like a very close range, I mean, when possible, I prefer to play in that just because it looks so nice. Yeah. Um it it's reminds me of Baldur's Gate 3 in that way where I kept Baldur's Gate 3 zoomed out a lot at the beginning because I was like, oh, well this is how these games are meant to be played and then once I switched controller I was like, wait, what? It's all this detailed? Like the game actually looks fantastic zoomed in. Oh, okay. Um yeah, I I think it's really something special. I'm really sad for the team that these were not all mega hits and that they're not, you know, very very financially comfortable and able to just do this forever and ever i am extremely grateful that they made what really feels like the culmination of all their design ideas yeah there's nothing about this game so far and i I don't know maybe like six or probably like seven or eight actually hours in there's nothing about it that like leaves me wanting um and Wanting in the sense of like more. If anything, I feel like I can't wait to unlock more characters. There's a skeleton character that like specializes in treasure tricks um, that I cannot wait to pick up next. Uh, I like even that, even the layout of this ship that's between missions where you get kind of your story dumps and you have the other undead characters that you need to revive to bring into your party that I can go and look at all of them and see what their skills are before I unlock them. It really just incentivizes me to keep playing. Um, so many little clever decisions like that throughout the whole Yeah, there's a neat upgrade system with like each of the characters. You can upgrade like one of their primary skills. So uh, the spy, for example, if you gather this resource and decide you want to upgrade the spy, you can now possess like the high ranking guards that previously you couldn't. So each of the characters has that like one aspect that they can like enhance in a dramatic way, which is really cool. Yeah, yeah. No, I I just am so very, 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 very impressed by it. Yeah, I, I am bummed about the studio and for everyone who works at the studio, I really hope that they find uh, their feet elsewhere. 
But I am actually happy for anyone that is listening to this and ends up falling in love with this game in particular because the other two games that they've made are great. Actually, there's even an, I think it's an expand alone of Shadow Tactics, which I haven't even played yet. So there's like two other games plus this expansion, which is easily probably 60 hours of gameplay of like missions that are like this. So if you fall in love with Shadow Gambit and want more, that is, there is plenty more waiting in the wings. Yeah. Um, I got a few quick questions for us from uh, the newsletter. Oh boy. Uh, And let's just dig into them because I think this game is an answer to one of the questions from Turtle. Just got myself a Steam Deck after having Turtle, a console Turtle, I've missed for- you on Entourage. I god damn. I knew. I knew. I knew. It's him. Vinny, are you um, doing the movie again? You're doing the movie! Um, Turtle wants to know if uh, we have any recommendations for Steam Deck staples. I would oh my immediately... God. Have we not buried everyone listening at home with steam people, deck staples you, do you know how often people ask us this question they always want more they oh just give them give them one new one i mean shadow gambit rules and so does no man's sky both of them steam right. deck staples we did it and I'm, i'll I'm add just... one more blasphemous 2 great game blasphemous oh, 2 on, on okay. steam deck that's good that's good Fantastic. uh and you know what while you're having a blast you should check out uh blaster master 0 while you're oh, yeah. while you're there that Why whole not? series um, uh, we had a bunch of people who had strong feelings about our, uh, our list of games for the 1990s to 1994. Uh-oh. And there was, uh, and they all thought we were great. There was actually no, no negative feedback. Um, wow. Everybody agreed with them entirely. Though some people, including Paul, mentioned, uh, Dragon Quest Three would be a good selection. Yeah, um, we did mention the dra- the fact that the Dragon Quest games in particular are like a big blind spot for us, but I'm yes. sure it's lovely. And I have good news. I actually spoke with Stephen Hilger over at Into the Aether, and he is going to record a little like five minute segment with me ahead awesome. of our final episode to help us pick a good RPG from that era to make sure that oh, we can include it on the list. So I think Fantastic. that'll be great. Um, uh, Patrick, uh, recommended Team Fortress 2. I want to shout out Ben, who, uh, cheered on Sonic and the Sega Genesis because it needs defenders, <laughs> especially in this house of slander. Yeah, sorry. Uh, I also want to shout out Brent, who dropped a YouTube link that I can share in the next issue, uh, that is a kind of narrative explainer of myhouse.wad or myhouse.wad that Doom uh, expansion that we talked about a few episodes ago that's absolutely bizarre. And while I don't think that game is playable for everybody, I do think it's at least worth checking out as a YouTube video. Um, And just a lot of other stuff. I I appreciate everybody who uh, is responding to that. And I know like all four of us have been happy, not just with like the response, but people kind of helping each other out in the comments that when somebody asks for a game recommendation, another person is there to, you know, Show them a recommendation. Uh, or you guys are like, so positive. I love everybody's, it. Everybody's, yeah, it's a really positive energy. And that that is what we want. Um, do we have any, I guess, do you want to share any any separate honorable mentions? Hmm. I don't think I have anything that immediately springs to my That's mind. That's great because I've got two. Oh, boy. It is football season. By the time dun, you dun, are, dun, dun. Dun, 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 dun. 
Dun, 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 dun. I thought you were going to harmonize. Oh. Yeah, it's tough to do. It's tough. <laughs> um, here, are, I have two football things for you. Retro Bowl Plus and Retro Bowl, which I, I'm praying it's on Android also. I know it works on iPhone. Um, oh and I want it to work on other things so that people will be happy that I mentioned it. And I have great no- news. It is. It is on Google Play right now. Yeah. Android gaming. Android gaming. I did it. I brought an Android game. This is such a good football video game. And it is 2D. It's going for kind of a, I mean, kind of a tech mobile. Aesthetic. I mean, it looks exactly like tech mobile. Right. But the way it works is you, it's only offense. Defense is automated by the AI. You don't even have Defense to like was always it. boring anyway, so that's it's great. It's boring, right? And then on offense, the way that you perform passes is by uh, pulling your thumb back and then aiming in the direction of where the route is going. Kind of mm. like a golfing game, yeah. you know? And that feels so good and is the closest I personally have experience to uh, reading routes in a football game. Wow. Where the, before, the, before the thing even starts, I like look at my routes, I memorize where they're going, I memorize who will get where first, and then I can actually like check my routes in the right order and then throw the ball. Wow. Um, yeah, it feels so cool. And, and that was within the first match. I, I was playing it properly. So you don't think Madden has ever done it? No, Madden has done this amazingly well. I just don't click with it. Oh. And it like I cannot see routes in Madden. Yeah. It it all moves so fast. Sure. It's yeah. 3D. Like there's a lot going on. The way this game works, again, it, it's 2D and you just see the route overlaid on it before it even happens. It's so easy to keep it in your head. Yeah. Um, and it's so easy to see like the entirety of the field. The running game works surprisingly well. It's just overall a delight. And then on top of that, it has a football sim layer over all of it where you are like getting trade offers, drafting players, and you know, putting points into your coaching t- in faci- the facilities, your fans. So it is really this kind of like pairing of a really great exhibition football game within an addictive loop in between every round. And cool. I'm just, I'm completely obsessed. Um, and then the other one I have is I just want to shout out friends of the show. Uh, my favorite Kansas City Chiefs football podcast is no longer at the athletic, but they are independent now. And that's only weird games. And if you are like me, a Kansas City Chiefs football fan, or you want to become one, hey, there's always room on this bandwagon. I love when people hop on. You should really listen to this podcast because it's hosted by three people who can talk at length about Pokemon. And I love nothing more than listening to my football podcast get diverted by, like, talk of Pikachu, Bulbasaur, who's best. So the um, the podcast is called Only Weird Games? Yes. So the reason it's called that is there's a belief amongst Kansas City Chiefs fans that we only play weird games. That uh. nothing goes as expected. It can never just be, like, a blowout for a Kansas City Chiefs game, even though we're a great team. Got it. Only play weird games. But it's a great title for, like, a video game podcast. Yeah, it is. Right? Um, so yeah, it's a lot of my... pressure. There's it not always a, a weird game. Yeah, yeah. What do, what do you do when you only have like boring games? Yeah, you know that's that's really tough. Um, anything anything else you want to share on your end before we wrap up? 
No, I think we did it. It's been a busy week of a lot of major releases and other things going on. But I'm happy to say that we talked a lot about a lot of awesome games. And that brings me joy. <laughs> Including one that's seven years old. Yes. Um, I'm very proud of us. What do we have next time? Do we know? It's two weeks away. I don't know, man. Okay. Anything could happen. I'm sure it's going to be absolutely great, whatever it is. And I, I mean, we are wait. in the heart of holiday season right now. Or yes. We will be. And so, you know, we got to bring some ballers it can't all go to besties. It's going to go to resties as well. So keep an ear out. <laughs> Real Dwayne the Rock Johnson ballers runoff. There you um, go. That, that sounds good. I will say for people who are curious about the final episode of Required Reading List, that will be within this year. That'll be before the end of 2023. But it will probably be later in the year. We, we tend to give a few uh, episodes between those. Yeah, we'll um, space them out a little bit, but it will come... Uh, when we have a bit of a lighter release week, uh, we'll slot that bad boy yeah. in. We're also going to think about what we want to do for our ongoing series next year. Always oh, love here. Any ideas if you want to drop some in the comments? Yeah, please and, and put ideas in. Haven't even talked to Fresh about this, but how do you how do you feel about a poll? Should we maybe do like a poll? Get a few good ideas with audience things? Like a May poll? No, like a poll in the in fan. People can go and vote. For what? What could they vote for? For what our miniseries is. We give oh, them like oh, oh. five great choices and they pick. I love it. Do right. it. Let's do it. That sounds good. Maple. Jesus. Anyway. Hey. You. Yeah, you. The one listening right now. I just want to say, I hope you have a wonderful day. This has been another episode of The Resties. I'm Christopher Thomas Plant. I'm Russ Frostick. Yeah, that's right. That's who you are. And we are The Resties. We're the rest of the best discuss the best of the rest resties, resties.